Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. It's time to tackle the top headlines of the day. I got blasted. This is 3 and Out. Vinny, are you ready for some 3 and Out? I am ready, and that's the voice of our producer, Damon Cotton, and uh, he's pulled three headlines out of the uh, sports world and the world beyond. Uh, we're going to talk about it. What do you got, Damon? All right, Vinny, there's been tape surfacing of Drew Brees out working over the weekend, pushing the sled, going hard, trusted back up around the NFL, Chase Daniel right there cheering him on. Should Saints fans be worried or optimistic that this means Drew Brees may be coming, at, may be coming back or just um, a player getting in some offseason work? Because once again, um, you know, the, the longer it's gone on uh, with Drew Brees, well, even when he didn't make the announcement uh, immediately, um, you know, kind of like Philip Rivers did with the uh, with the Colts, uh, I've always felt like there was a strong possibility that Drew Brees uh, could come back. Um, you know, and sometimes you get away from it all, the heat of the moment, the heat of the loss um, that, the, that the Saints suffered, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, and, and you get back to, to regular life for a little while and you kind of realize, man, I, I do, do I really want to leave right now? Am I going to regret making that decision? And, and so um, I, I haven't felt as strongly uh, about this Drew Brees retirement uh, as I thought I would have. I've always felt like something was going on where he might come back. So uh, as far as being worried, if you're the New Orleans Saints, if you're New Orleans Saints fans, um, I don't think it's necessarily worried. He gives you the best chance uh, to, to, to be successful. Uh, I'm not a big, um, I, uh, you know, um, the backup quarterback, Taysom Hill. I'm not a really big Taysom Hill fan. No, but there's um, a new wrinkle that we got last week of your Saints fan. Last week, you probably were thinking about Russell Wilson. You're like, hey, man, a couple of drafts. You know, who knows? It's like, Drew, get out of here. Yeah, well, now, if, if, if he's impeding, if he's blocking Russell Wilson, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I just, I'm not so sure that the whole Russell Wilson thing uh, is like a real possibility. I just can't see that the Seattle Seahawks um, are not going to, you know, work with Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson wants to stay. I just think that he wants, uh, I think he's feeling his oats a little bit and feeling his power a little bit and uh, yielding it, um, which I uh, am in, I'm fully for. Um, I think that it, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, it behooves you to get on the right page with Russell Wilson and, and, and work with him and do what, you know, like pick his brain, find out what exactly he wants, uh, shore up the offensive line, give him some more weapons. Um, and I think that Pete Carroll is a smart enough coach uh, to, to understand that importance. I think they'll get it worked out. So that's, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like if I'm a Saints fan, um, I'm probably feeling pretty good that Drew Brees is out there working out because what's what's the likelihood of Russell Wilson landing in New Orleans? I think it's fairly nil, <laughs> you know, at this point. Like, why would the – I don't even think – I'm not so sure if the Seattle Seahawks did trade him, they would trade him uh, within their conference. That You don't want to be facing him. Um, you you want to try to minimize that as most as, uh, as much as possible. So, um, you know, I mean, and, and Jameis Winston, you know, yeah, not so sure that he's he's the answer. So what are you going to do? And you get caught in that world where you don't have, um, you know, a, uh, a viable plan to replace your quarterback. You could get stuck in that world for a long time. It'll be interesting for me 
to see how long the Patriots are stuck in that world trying to replace Tom Brady. There's Tom Brady. There's no guarantee uh, that you're, you, you know, there's no doubt you're not going to replace Tom Brady, period. Like he was that good. But even somebody that's going to make you a playoff contender year in and year out, that's hard to do. And uh, I'm sure nobody's feeling sorry for the Patriots and nobody will feel sorry for the Saints if they get stuck in that world that a lot of other teams find themselves in perpetually trying to find out, figure out who their next quarterback is going to be. Yeah, you're probably right. But just like the thought of Sean Payton, you know, offensive mastermind, you know, it's just like if he could get Russell Wilson, that would be so great to see. That would be a scary, I scary know, right? Thing. Yeah, just yep. hypothetical. Let's play around. I'm kidding. But yeah, I just I would I would love to see that for Russell Wilson. But yeah, that does make sense not wanting to trade him within the NFC. And that NFC West now with the JJ Watt news, those like those pass rushes that he's gonna be facing up in Seattle are looking scary. Yeah, it is, and uh, um, you know, with with he and Chandler, uh, Chandler Jones on the opposite side. Uh, if you're, you know, Matthew Stafford now, it's weird still saying that with the Los Angeles Rams or Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever the 49ers quarterback is going to be, or Russell Wilson or Kyler or not Kyler Murray, he, they're on uh, his team. Uh, Kyler Murray's feeling pretty good about uh, life right now, but um, yeah, that that and. Uh, not to mention, you also have Aaron Donald in Los Angeles. Uh, you have Bosa in San Francisco, along with uh, Amik Armstead and some other great players uh, down there for the 49ers. Uh, it is no joke when it comes to the rushing the pass run uh, in the AFC or the NFC West. One last thing, because you make the connection. Watts going to Arizona. Hopkins gets traded to Arizona. Man, Deshaun Watson's probably looking at it just like, man, all of my best friends are in Arizona now. <laughs> and I know, exactly. And, and, you know, the, the, the problem for Deshaun is, um, you know, you, you just wonder really how much leverage he has because, and I, I feel bad for him because I'm with him. I'd be frustrated with the Houston Texans right now, too. Uh, but the amount of money that he could stand to lose if he doesn't report and he doesn't play is so massive like is he really willing to to uh, turn his back on that kind of money uh by holding out um if the if the texans don't decide to play ball with him you know i know that, that that's that's a risk too for the houston texans because you're going to always have that hanging over your head the longer it goes on uh but really they have the leverage because they're going to say are you really going to turn your back on this kind of money i mean we'll believe it when we see it so I'm not so sure that he has a whole lot of options right now, um, you know, uh, to, to, to push those levers and to push those buttons when the Houston Texans have the ultimate power of all. And that's like telling him, you're going to be out a lot of money. Uh, the, the, the more you sit out, the more you're going to lose. And you, we have your rights for X number of years. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I feel bad for, for him because I think the, the uh, Texans have done him wrong, uh, but not so sure he has many options uh, in terms of getting out of there. I'm so happy he's on my team. It's a heavyweight belt, bro. That's a fight. All right, Vinny, you talked about this earlier. All reports are looking like Alex Smith is going to be released by the Washington football team. You know, he came in out after Kansas City as, you know, highly touted it, you know, quarterback. But, you know, obviously the leg injury, you know, not Ron Rivera's quarterback. So I think that they're going to move on. They've got um, Kyle Allen. And, man, what was the one? Hinky. Hanneke. Yes. Well, yes. Right. Tyler Hanneke. Yes. Yeah, who made himself a little bit of coin just on that, what, one game, I think it was, or a couple of games? The one regular season game in the the playoff game, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because you can't bring that guy back at, like, he had a two-year, $1 million guaranteed contract. Now, you can't, even if if you, like, want to bring him into, like, 
battle for the starting quarterback job he's got to be paid more than one million guaranteed so yeah he did good for like that's the right place right time that good for him exactly exactly <laughs> because even yeah because like i said even if you just want to bring him in you can't be paying him like hey you're, you might want to be our starting quarterback <laughs> but we're only right. paying you one million but but in no way shape or form is he the quarterback of the future either so no um, not of the future but it's it's going to be him it's going to be him and um and Allen, that's going to have to duke it out for the job because Rivera brought. Unless they draft somebody or they trade Ooh. for somebody, yeah, you're right. Um, you and that's where that. like like Marcus Mariota, I think is a possibility for Washington. Um, but again, you know, you're, if you're if you're Washington, you probably just wait it out. Um, unless you unless you feel like you know the Patriots are jumping in there or somebody else is jumping in there uh, on Marcus Mariota that could beat you out on him, uh, then maybe you, maybe uh, you get involved in, in that. Uh, but more than likely, Mariota is going to be on the open market. He makes a lot of sense uh, for a team like Washington and New England, even if it's just as a stopgap, you know, somebody to hold down the fort until whoever they draft, because you kind of think that Washington's going to draft a quarterback. Um, I don't know if the Patriots are going to have access to a quarterback uh, drafting where they're drafting, but maybe they do. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how all that all plays out and how it plays uh, into, into a Marcus Mariota. Okay, but back to Alex Smith. Do you think that he'll find another home in the NFL, or do you think with the injury, you know, just the compound people, it's like when you see him play, it's like a yes, yes, but no, because you, you don't want him to get hit. Do you think he might retire after um, this coming season? I actually think he's going to, no, I actually think he's going to end up with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's going to be the mentor uh, to Trevor Lawrence. I think that his he's going to have a reunion with Urban Meyer, who um, he played with uh, uh, under at the University of Utah back in the day. Um, and you know that uh, Alex Smith, by the way, was high school teammates with Reggie Bush down in this, uh, I think it was Helix High School in San Diego. Imagine that. Um, that was a, that's a pretty good little backfield right there. Um, and back in those days, Alex Smith was an athlete. He could run, um, you know, and uh, that's, that's kind of how he made his forte uh, as a runner and a thrower. So, um, but I think he could go, you know, he, he, he has that, an understanding of Urban Meyer and the offense that he's probably going to be running down there. Um, and just, you know, having been there, done that at a bunch of different places now or three different places now with, a bu- with different kinds of philosophies, offensive coordinators, systems, what better player, uh, if you're Urban Meyer, uh, to have than than Alex Smith as maybe the, uh, the the mentor to Trevor Lawrence and just you know even if he has to play you know you could probably get by for a year with a with an Alex Smith if you want to sit Trevor Lawrence although I kind of think that they're going to want to play Trevor Lawrence but what a great asset to have an Alex Smith uh, as the backup and kind of the quarterback whisperer uh, to Trevor Lawrence. All right, Vinny. I'm going to take you somewhere because you got my brain moving now when you said Alex Smith reuniting with Urban Meyer. Yes. That would be a great story. But they would also need like a third quarterback for the practice squad. Somebody has a little bit more free time after he retired from baseball. Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer, oh, giving Tim Tebow oh, another chance And as he's well. from Jacksonville. Exactly. From- Come on. Are you with me? Tim Tebow, third chief quarterback <laughs> that, in Jacksonville. I would love to see it. <laughs> I would love to see it, but uh, I, I don't see that. Uh, I think his football days are behind him, and obviously his baseball days are behind him now. He does a really good job as a commentator, so uh, that would be really funny. That would be cool, actually, but uh, nah, I think that I think he's seen his best days as a football player, and they I mean, weren't that I'm gonna good. I'm going to try to get the, the Twitter trend started, you know, Tivo to Jacksonville. I think There I, you go. I, Let's I, do you, it. You know, that's going to be with my you. life's work now. <laughs> I, I want to see him you. back in the NFL. You know, you got Trevor Lawrence. That's obviously the future. Alex Smith, the reliable backup who can be a mentor and Tebow just you know just for giggles 
Just don't let him uh, uh, put him in charge of uh, teaching Trevor Lawrence how to throw the football because that's that was Tim Tebow's major major downfall. And I, you know what? I, I in, in college they were able to cover it up because they were just such an overpowering team that he really you didn't really need him to like win the game with his arm. Uh, so you just it just kind of didn't dawn on you that he really literally couldn't throw the ball until you saw him in the NFL and you saw how he threw the ball and you're like, holy cow, this guy cannot throw a football like he is the worst throwing quarterback that I ever saw. And you know what, though? I'll say this about him. That year in Denver where they completely scrapped their offense and put him in there and built an offense around him. It was basically an option offense. They made it to the playoffs and they won a playoff game. Uh, it was one of the great coaching jobs of all time. And, you know, uh, Tim Tebow's shining moment didn't last long. Uh, but go back and watch some of those games, uh, how they won and the offense that they used. It was like it was like um, literally just coaching on the run uh, the way they did that in Denver and, and creating something on the fly. It was like coaching 101. Uh, it was probably hard to do at the time, but it was probably pretty invigorating. Uh, while it was happening, and for him to get the Broncos to the playoffs, and I think they what, they beat the they beat the Steelers. Steelers. Yep, oh, yeah, they man. did overtime. First pass, I think it was Demarius Thomas. Boom, straight to the end zone in overtime. Wow. Yeah, and the thing is, he couldn't throw. So to so to win games without a quarterback that could throw and just rely on uh, you know an op- basically an option offense, it was that was a thing of beauty for for that one year. It wasn't going to last. There wasn't longevity to it um teams were gonna once once teams had a chance to scout it and figure it out they were gonna just deny it from that point on and that's why john elway immediately got rid of him uh but it's just it was it was it was pretty cool to see how that all unfolded that year let's see what we're made of right here all right let's go we can't hope we gotta go do hey show me what champions do all right, Vinny, ripped straight from the headlines. There was a little controversy on Twitter in the sports world as it was, hey, someone tweeted out in the football media, would you like, there's an unpaid internship. You know, I think, you know, I'm just putting it out there. And people got mad. Unpaid internships took a hit today on Twitter like I've never seen before. And rightfully so, because people were like, you shouldn't work for free. You shouldn't work for free. Just because the previous generations have struggled doesn't mean that current generations should be struggling as well, paying their dues, as one would say. Vinny, where do you stand on unpaid internships? Have you ever had any? Um, basically, yeah, yeah, I did. I did have a, 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 a little bit of an unpaid. Um, uh, it was like in high school. But yeah, I, I, I did, and um, but it was it, it, it was also very beneficial too. So I created, I mean, I was able to to make contacts, and I was able to get my foot in the door. Um, not everyone has the uh, the means to be able to do that, and it depends on you know. Like I was working a bunch of different situations at that time. Like I was I was not only doing that, but I was also working at a skating rink at the time, going to school at the time. So if there's a way to do to, to do it where uh, you're 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 interning in a in a field that you really want to pursue and you really love and you feel like hey this is going to be able to uh, jumpstart it, but also be able to supplement your income on an, on another part time job. Um, there's 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 enough hours in the day. We've all and a lot of us have been there, so we've I've seen it work out that way. So, um, but I can also understand if you can't like if you don't have. Sometimes you're you're just in a, some people are just in a better position. Their parents can float them. Uh, for a little while longer and they say you know what don't worry about the pay we got your we'll pay you 
um, just go uh, chase your dream. And if it ha if it means working someplace for free, uh, we got your back on that. So you're able to do it. But not everyone is. And so I get that controversy. But but I will say this for anyone who's saying don't do it. If you have the means to be able to do it, you should do it uh, because the benefits far outweigh uh, some of the you know the problematic aspects of it of not getting paid. If you if you're from a family that has a little extra money that they're able to 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 um, keep you afloat for a little while, uh, don't just turn your back on that. Take every advantage of every opportunity that that comes your way, even unfortunately if it's meager pay or no pay. You you're, you got to look at the, it's a it's a life can be like a game of golf. You almost have to always look at. Uh, the long term, not just the short term, but the long term. Yeah, for me, like um, I've never had an unpaid internship. I did have an, I did do a college radio show, so I don't think that you know that's not unpaid. I wasn't expecting to get paid for it, but it was just that benefit that the benefits and being beneficial of being on radio, just getting that exposure, getting to actually be in radio. So I know what I want to do now for the rest of my career. Even like when I used to broadcast games for the school station, that led me to get an opportunity where I was able to be paid for the work that I do. Exactly. And, That's yes. why you can't, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. It's tough. It's, 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 uh, you wish it didn't have to be like that, but, uh, sometimes it is. And, and like I said, um, if, if, if you either have parents who have the means to be able to, to sustain you for a little while longer, or if you can combine the internship with a, with another part-time job, um, you know, uh, you, you do it. And I got to say this too, you know, um, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm not the old guy trying to school the young people or anything like that. Uh, but I know, um, like in my own family, uh, grandfathers and uncles and people like that, and, 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 and aunts and, and grandmothers and that worked like multiple jobs, like um, to, to, to be able to provide uh, a lot of, it's it just, it's, it's interesting what people were able to, you know, the sacrifices that, that uh, previous generations made that current generations sometimes turn their nose up on and i don't i don't understand the philosophy behind that uh, sometimes we have to do what we have to do that's just the bottom line um it's not always how we want it to be but sometimes it has to be that way uh to like we said to get your foot in the door and to, and to move ahead so uh any opportunity in the profession that you want to be in that's going to help further your career especially if you take advantage of it um, usually if you're a hard worker, people are going to figure that out pretty quickly. And if you're an asset, uh, they'll see that. And, uh, eventually, you know, you'll, 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 you'll get paid hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully. And I just want to finish with a quick shout out to KUNV here. Or that's the school station in, uh, at UNLV. I'm wearing the shirt today and I just looked down. I was like, yeah, hey, look at me. I'm talking about the school. And it's like, I'm actually still wearing that shirt. All right. <laughs> yeah. Miss UNLV. That's awesome, little, man. Yeah. Love it. And that was three and out. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Go 
What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is March 1st, and that means free agency starts this month. In about 16 days, uh, you're going to start hearing about um, who the Raiders are signing, who the Raiders are looking at, who the Raiders are saying goodbye to, who the Raiders are trading, uh, who the Raiders are restructuring uh, contracts of. I think it's going to be a combination of all of those things <clears throat> here in these next couple of weeks as the Raiders try to, um, you know, uh, go about uh, fixing uh, that defense. And by the way, uh, just a little bit of a, a heads up. Uh, tomorrow morning I'll be posting a story uh, at VegasNation.com. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, and uh, got a chance to talk to a Raiders player who um, is fed up um, with all the perpetual news that Derek Carr uh, is on his way out um, and uh, is going to be replaced by somebody else. Um, it's just uh, growing thin on, on, on players, uh, his teammates, Derek Carr's teammates, and one of them uh, reached out, um, and we had a, a good conversation today. I'm writing the story. It'll be posted tomorrow. Um, at VegasNation.com. Uh, you can download the app Vegas Nation uh, or just go to VegasNation.com and check it out online. I su- uh, suspect it'll be online about uh, early tomorrow morning. But that player is going to come on to the show tomorrow um, to talk about it uh, as well. And I thought that, um, you know, in talking to him today, uh, felt like he came across as a leader. Um, obviously, he has uh, Derek Carr's back, um, but more importantly, uh, he believes and and his teammates believe that Derek Carr is fully capable uh, of getting uh, the Raiders to uh, the Super Bowl. They truly believe that, and they're kind of growing tired. <laughs> the Raiders Raider players are, and specifically uh, this player. Um, and he talks to his teammates, so he knows uh, how, how teammates feel about it as well. Getting really tired uh, of hearing all the talk about Derek Carr coming, you know, on the way out, and the kind of the tipping point, um, or what was really frustrating, uh, and what we're going to talk to him about it tomorrow. Um, he was actually on vacation uh, in Mexico last week when news came out that Russell Wilson's agent had informed uh, the Seattle Seahawks that uh, he'd be interested in waiving his no trade clause. Uh, to go play for the Raiders. And uh, the, the the Raiders player who was uh, on the beach in uh, Mexico saw that and was like, you know, enough is enough. Um, you know, uh, we've been reading about this. We keep hearing the talk about whether it was Tom Brady or, um, you know, uh, Mar- uh, uh, now Russell Wilson and who, uh, you know, all sorts of other players. Uh, or maybe you know Derek Carr is going to get traded, uh, you know, uh, for, for this guy or that guy or draft picks, and and it's and and it, it's not so, so much against Russell Wilson, it's the notion that there's like this perception that Derek Carr isn't the guy, and um, and this player is like, you know, enough is enough, because uh, they believe that Derek Carr. Vinny, you're can killing be the us. Guy. Just tell Why us who it is. <laughs> No, 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 no! Can't, I'm not. No, 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 no. He's no, coming no. on the show tomorrow. I don't even. He know is who coming is. on the show tomorrow. We'll. I'll be. I'll be tweeting it out um, tomorrow. Uh, no doubt about it. But I. I don't want to. Um, there's reasons why uh, I'm. I'm not going to do that. Um, so, uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, tomorrow at 4:30, everybody needs to listen <laughs> because uh, the player that I'm talking to will be on uh, tomorrow. 
uh, to talk about uh, to talk about the story uh, about him uh, having Derek Carr's back um, and explaining why they believe that uh, you know the Raiders are in gr- great hands uh, with Derek Carr. He's also going to talk about um, you know the 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 notion that um, well, first of all, he's going to talk about there's there's a lot of work going on uh, with these players, um, uh, whether they're here in Las Vegas. Or spread out across the country. There's a lot of texting that goes back and forth between players. Players sharing with each other, you know, uh, videos of them working out uh, and saying, "This is what I'm doing. What are you doing?" You know, and challenging each other and one upping each other to try to get better. And there's a pocket of players here in Las Vegas that are constantly working out. Uh, um, whether they're out at the uh, facility in Henderson, they're allowed to be out there a couple of days a week. Uh, but then they go to various gyms around uh, around the uh, the area um, where they're putting in a lot of work, um, and they feel like uh, this team is close, a lot closer than people realize. And and as it was explained to me, uh, you know, the player that I was talking to, and I'm sure he'll 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 talk about it tomorrow. They really believe they're about three plays away from being eleven and five, and that's that's not really hard to do or hard to imagine because there were three times and we've talked about this so many times there were three times uh this season where the offense left the field late 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 in games or in overtime uh after scoring uh to to go ahead in overtime three times where the offense walked off the field uh and really all they needed was the defense to make a play uh in order to to win ball games uh three times it it didn't work out they didn't make the play the plays and as a result, they finished eight and eight. Uh, tomorrow, um, you know, when when the when the player comes on, he'll talk about how close they really were uh, to being eleven and five, winning those three games. Um, and and as as he mentioned to me today, none of those players were on Derek Carr. <laughs> you know, uh, it wasn't Derek Carr's fault that we lost those three games. Uh, not that there's any finger pointing. Uh, everybody's accountable. Everybody understands this is a team game. They didn't get the job done, and and. He's fully aware of that and fully accountable to that and understands that. And across the board, um, Raider players understand that they have work to do uh, to change that, to make sure that uh, they make those type of plays uh, and finish 11-5 rather than 8-8. Eight and eight. But what was interesting to me uh, in talking t- uh, to him was, you know, if, if let's say we make those plays – What's the perception of Derek Carr then? That's what that's what his argument was. What's the perception of Derek Carr if we do finish eleven and five rather than eight and eight? None of which was on him. It was on Derek Carr. So, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tweet the story out tomorrow morning when it posts. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and then, of course, tomorrow at four thirty, um, uh, the player will come on uh, to to back up what he said uh, in the article and also, um, you know, uh, talk about. You know, sometimes what the percep- perception is uh, out there, because there was one thing that kind of <laughs> scratched his claw too, his craw too, uh, and that was the accountability uh, uh, aspect of it. Um, you know, remember there was, is there accountability uh, on the Raiders? And, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to uh, have a lot to say about that as well, uh, because he sees the work that's going on right now, um, saw the work that was going on last year, but definitely sees what's going on now. And the accountability, and how everybody's looking themselves in the mirror uh, right now, um, all of with, all of with um, the objective of getting better, and to make sure that what happened last year down the stretch doesn't happen again um, in 2021. You know, and I got to say that, um, and I've mentioned this quite often, 
and this isn't an excuse. Sometimes it's just the reality of the situation. But this really is a young team. Um, and for as long as I've been around sports, uh, the one thing that has always struck me is learning how to close games out, learning how to win. Um, and and you don't always that doesn't always happen overnight. Uh, it really doesn't. And and you can really look at last year uh, with the Raiders and. Uh, you're not speaking out of school if you say that really the lack of playmaking in critical moments was more on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. I'm not saying the offense was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's things that they can fix and get fixed uh, and improve on. But generally speaking, um, outside of the Atlanta Falcons game where it was just a colossal meltdown, that happens in a 16-game season. I'm not making excuses, um, but Generally speaking, you're going to have a clunker. <laughs> you're going to have a game where you know guys are running into each other and fumbles, and it's just it's just a bad news kind of a game. And that happened to the Raiders in Atlanta. Um, it was a it was one of those weird holiday weekend coming off of Thanksgiving, traveling across country. They just didn't show up ready to play, uh, and that's obviously unacceptable. But it happens from time to time. I've seen it so many different times. Uh, in so many different ways, uh, across so many different sports. So, all right, you throw out the clunker. Uh, other than that, the Raiders were fair, were pretty competitive uh, throughout uh, the course of, the la- of, of last year. And generally speaking, they were in um, you know they they weren't in position to win every single game, but they were pretty they were competitive in every single game except for that Atlanta game. And there were uh, a couple, uh, three in particular: the Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers. And the um, Kansas City Chiefs, that second game uh, at Allegiant Stadium, where they were in position to win that game late in the game. They couldn't make the play uh, to end it um, in a way that gave them the W rather than the L. So there's there's a learning curve sometimes to that. Um, there it, it gradually uh, ha- you know uh, happens where teams get better. Teams figure out how to close out games, how to make that winning play. And sometimes the winning play doesn't necessarily happen in the closing seconds. Sometimes it's earlier when you hold on to the interception. How many times did we see that where uh, an interception got dropped? You know, a potent- the ball is, is rolling around the ground and the Raiders weren't able to get on it defensively. And the rather than recovering a fumble, uh, the other team you know, picked up the ball and kept possession. And maybe they went out on the score to score a field goal or a touchdown. It's plays like that. Um, that happened throughout the course of a game that really that you, if you don't make them you're just you know you're 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 squandering opportunities uh and and being heads up and being able to make those plays more often than not are the truly define the great teams from the teams that are just good or not good or teams that just aren't quite there yet um and i think that in talking um to the player that I talked to you today, and, and again, he'll be on at 4.30 tomorrow. I'll let you know tomorrow who it is. You're, you just get the sense that they really believe amongst themselves. I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm not talking about the front office. I'm not talking about that part of the operation. I'm talking about the players themselves. Um, there's bonds being built. Uh, there's a there's a uh, chemistry that's being developed. There's a trust that's being uh, developed, and 
they really do believe that they're closer than a lot of people think. It's just like you, like the guy said today, you know, say what you want, but we're three plays away from being 11 and five. And that's, you can't deny that. You cannot deny that. A tip ball on a third down uh, or, or forcing the team off the, off the field um, in those three late game situations that the Raiders defense makes a play in any of those three games. And all of those three games, that's the difference between being 11 and 5 and 8 and 8. I know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I know all of those things. But let me ask you this, Raider Nation. What would you rather, what do you want to experience? You want to, experience, you want to be in just blowout situations at that point in time? Don't you think being in blowout situations on the wrong end of those blowout situations, games that are out of hand uh, in those late game situations, is worse than being right there and just being a play away? You know, it, it, can you make that distinction? Can we make that honestly make that distinction between a team that's just flat out classed? Uh, and the Raiders have been in that situation before uh, over the years. Between that and a team that you know, if you just if uh, the, the, uh, a, a ball that went through so and so's hands, or a fumble that wasn't you know recovered, uh, or or you know uh, uh, a miscommunication on the back end that led to a key first down. Uh, those type of things that were literally the difference between winning games and losing games, those singular kind of just moments here and there that were the difference between winning and losing, that's a far cry different. That's a world of difference between just not even being able to be competitive, between not, not having the talent to stay in games. The Raiders were in plenty of games and won their fair share of them. Uh, and they lost some games, too, to some better teams or, or some teams where maybe the, that, that was their day that day, the, the opposition. Sometimes you tip your cap and say, you know what, they beat us. They won their share of games, too, in that regard, being the better team, flat out the better team. But there were three glaring losses this year that should have been wins, truly should have been wins against some pretty darn good teams. The Kansas City Chiefs obviously went to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Miami Dolphins were knocking on the playoff door uh, right to the what the last week of the season. Um, they, they were a, a good quality team that's 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 on the move in the right direction. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers not so much, but they did have a, a really good quarterback who was playing really good football uh, at that time. And the Raiders had their backup quarterback in for that game uh, in Marcus Mariota. Uh, but the point is. And as this player expressed, and he's going to come on tomorrow at 4.30 and, and, and say it in his own way. Three plays away from being 11-5. That's where they feel and believe in that room uh, in Las Vegas. Now, the season next year is not going to unfold exactly the same. Um, you can't rely on being, you know, three plays away. Next year, you want to close out business. You want to take care of business. You don't want to be in a position where you have to make that play at the late, late game situations. That's the goal. That's, you know, hopefully... What they're trying to do is to avoid being in those thin line kind of positions where they could just go out and dominate and not have to and and, and avoid those kinds of uh, circumstances. But that's not always going to be the case. And learning to win, learning to close games out, learning to be timely, learning to make the play when the play needs to be made is something that veteran teams acquire or teams acquire over the course of time. And the Raiders, those players over there, they feel like they're closing in. Uh, on that and we'll see I can't wait for you guys to to hear tomorrow uh, who the player is and, and what he's got to say you're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor this is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM 
Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Damon's just teasing us right now. The weekend. It's Monday, uh, the start of a new week. Uh, the, the weekend is over. Oh, that's uh, me but, trying to introduce um, a new segment. What's the best thing you've seen this weekend? Exactly, exactly. Weekend. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, so, without further ado, Damon, if you can explain the new segment that we're doing. Oh, very simple. Just um, best the best thing that you saw this weekend. We had the okay, best around. Uh, so uh, why don't you go first? I want to hear what your, your favorite in. thing. All right. For me, the best thing I saw this weekend, it was yesterday, actually, last night. It was the Hornets coming back, I think, down by eight to beat the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. And it was just one of those things where it's like it, like the probability rating is 98% for the Kings to win this game. And then the Hornets just come back. You got... Malik Monk making the and one that puts up the tie and then makes the free throw to put him up by one to win the game. And it was really just one of those like games where said, man, the Hornets are exciting to watch. You've got Malik Monk. You've got LeVar, oh, LeVar Ball's son, LaMelo Ball. You've got <laughs> <laughs> Scary Terry Rozier. P.J. Washington had 42 points. It's one of those things where it's just like, man, this team, Michael Jordan finally got it right and has got like an exciting team down there in Charlotte. Best thing I saw. Yes, and, uh, and I got to give a shout out to a good friend of mine uh, who's actually the president of basketball operations uh, over there, Mitch Kupchak. Um, he, as you know, uh, was the general manager for many years with the Los Angeles Lakers, championship teams with the Los Angeles Lakers, learned uh, under Jerry West. Uh, I've known Mitch for, for, you know, long, long, long time. And he, you know, to me, Michael Jordan made a great hire. Uh, that was what that was. That was the start of the turnaround uh, in Charlotte. He made a great hire in bringing in Mitch Kupchak after uh, Mitch Kupchak, um, you know, uh, uh, was no was not brought back by Magic Johnson uh, as the Lakers uh, general manager. They went out uh, and and did something different uh, there. Um, so Mitch goes to to Carolina, uh, uh, Charlotte, and he went to North Carolina. So uh, and he and Michael Jordan they weren't teammates at North Carolina, but you know when you're uh, a Tar Heel, uh, you're a Tar Heel, and you look out for, for for each other. So Michael Jordan, I thought that would made a great hire. It was kind of under the radar because, you know, Mitch Kupchak doesn't to me get the credit he deserves. But I'll tell you what, you go look at some of the draft picks by the Lakers that are, um, you know, that, that are out there right now. Uh, Mitch, or excuse me, um, uh, Demond, that are on other teams. Whether you're talking about Jordan Clarkson. Um, you know, Julius Randle, who's an all-star now, uh, Ingram, uh, with the New Orleans, uh, Pelicans, uh, it's, there's a lot of really good players that the Lakers drafted, um, that, you know, are, are elsewhere now, either you're part of big trades or traded to, to bring in reinforcements. Um, so got to give him a lot of credit and Michael Jordan. Now I'm glad that he has a team uh, that's playing well and it is an exciting team, right? I mean, and come on, I, I'm so happy for LaMelo Ball. Uh, I remember him as a freshman um, at the high school that, that Zoe was playing. All three brothers were on that state championship team. Um, and, and to see him as a freshman, LaMelo, and at the time he was half the size he is right now, uh, just a little tiny 14-year-old point guard that was just doing damage. And you're like, okay, this kid, if he gets bigger, is going to be good. Now you look at him and he's a full-blown NBA player. And where do you feel – uh, that he is in terms of rookie of the year, and are you surprised at how good Lamelo Ball is playing? 
Oh, I think he's I think he's gonna have rookie of the year locked up. So maybe like a dark horse candidate, second place would be Tyrese Halliburton. He's also playing very well. He doesn't have as many as the counting stats, but he is more of an impressive his percentages, his effectiveness, and his like advanced stat numbers are a little bit better than Lomelo. But I do think that just off the like the star power alone, he's gonna be rookie of the year. And and the thing is, he's 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 doing it in a winning effort. You know, um it's i I, I hear you on the counting stats. Uh, and maybe you know some some advanced metrics show that uh, that the other guy is 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 doing a little bit better. But I mean, the Hornets are winning, uh, you know, uh, and they're competitive. And he's brought a lot of juice and a lot of flair uh, to that. But I guess my key question is: Were you, you know, there's so many people uh, because of Lavar um, and and you know, Zoe hasn't uh, uh, translated. Uh, at the high level that people kind of expected uh, him to, although you know, the flaw that he's always had was he can't score. Like he's not a natural scorer. Um, and, uh, he's kind of a Ricky Rubio in a lot of ways, you know, a guy that is terrific as a floor general and a floor leader and a passer. But, you know, um, if you can't shoot, man, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna bury you. Basically, you're just gonna your your ceiling isn't gonna be uh, as high. Obviously, if you can't just score, you always look like an awkward score. Whereas Lamelo could score, and but I think that because of the last name, you know, uh, people just sort of scoffed at him and la- or laughed at him. And I'm like, you guys are making a mistake. This kid can play. Uh, and you know we lost track of him because uh, he didn't play. He stopped playing high school basketball in the United States. He went overseas. But if you just were paying attention to what he was doing uh, overseas, the kid was balling uh, over there. So um, where were you? Were you one of the you know I, I don't want to I hate the word hater, but were you a doubter uh, of of uh, of Lamelo? No, I wasn't a hater. I was a you could I could say yeah I'd say I was a bit of a skeptic. But I will say this: I remember a few years back it was going to be LaMelo and Zion both of their AAU teams were playing here in Vegas and the gym was packed it was shut down my family wanted to go see a movie that day and I'm like what are you guys doing this is like the, this might be the, <laughs> this is the most exciting high school game ever it was so packed like even they were turning away NBA players at the door and so it just like it was it was it was really one of the hottest tickets in town to like go see a game between two high schoolers LaMelo and Zion but Vinny, we do have a caller coming in. Do you want to get a caller in real quick? Yeah, absolutely. We, Who got, we got Madro. Madro. Oh, hey, Madro. We're gonna hey, we're gonna get this right. It's Madro. What you doing, Madro? How you doing, man? <laughs> you did get it right. How about that? Um, <laughs> I had another another great day and still fabulous Las Vegas. And actually, I'm going back to the Raiders instead of uh, basketball, but that's all right. All good. Because I got I to gotta agree with you on this team, or whoever the player is, and it doesn't even really matter. Because this team, there's so many doomsayers in this town, it, it's kind of mind-blowing. But this team is so close, and it's going to have a four- or five-year run on top of it. But it just reminds me of the 1999 to 2000 transition of the John Gruden Raiders. 1999, 8-8, eight and eight, 2012 and 4. And I'm telling you, you can look it up. Um, if my memory serves me, and I'm pretty old, so it doesn't always work, but in 1999, <laughs> we lost half of those eight losses by three points or less. We were, it was, once again, a play here, a play there. It was just so close. And it, was, it made me insane. I know that. Um, and everybody else was kind of crazy too, because we couldn't believe it was we were eight and eight when we were so close to being so good. 
And in 2000, boom, 12 and 4. And we got cheated out of the Super Bowl, too, that year because, um, you know, that was yes. the year I believe that Gannon got squished by Saragusa, who said before the game on live TV that he was going to kill Gannon, and he belly flopped him. You know, and, and that did it. And so the Ravens went on and won that year. But the point is, you know, we were, we we're that close. That Yeah, close. and it's and not... Uh, uh, thank you for the call, Madro. Um, sure. It's not... Listen, I, I've been doing this a long time, and... Um, you know, there's a there's a huge difference between you know being eight and eight and just not being competitive in those other eight games, uh, and just being outclassed in those eight losses, uh, and maybe being lucky uh, in in some of the eight wins. That's not and 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 there there have been Raider teams like that. The seven and nine team the year before, um, I I really felt like there were issues. There were issues offensively. There were issues defensively. Obviously, um, there was work that needed to get done. They weren't as close. Uh, at seven and nine in 2019, as they are at eight and eight uh, in 2020, and I know it's just one game, right? A, a one game difference, but it's not just one game difference. Uh, you, you know, the eyes don't lie, and um, the, the Raiders were were competitive, ex- except for the Atlanta game. They were competitive in those eight losses, and really, uh, of those eight losses, there were three that should have been wins. They they did enough offensively to win that game. They gave the defense the lead. Uh, in end-of-game situations, and the defense just couldn't make the right play or the play uh, at the right time uh, to close out a win. But there is a belief in Henderson that those days are coming near to where they are going to make those plays and and be a team that, rather than being 8-8, eight and eight, is really 11-5. and five. So we'll see, and you're going to hear from him. Uh, tomorrow, he's got a lot of uh, uh, insightful things to say, and, and uh, he's not afraid to put his name on it. He's not afraid to basically tell Russell Wilson, who, hey, no, no disrespect to Russell Wilson, uh, but uh, you know, to paraphrase what he was, what he was saying, we got a quarterback. His name is Derek Carr. We have full belief that he could get us into the Super Bowl, and it's disrespectful. All the talk about Derek uh, uh, Carr being traded, uh, and even some disrespect from uh, you know Russell Wilson's agent to come out and say oh yeah he'd love to play for the Raiders when the Raiders have a quarterback that his teammates truly truly believe in and I can tell you this too working in professional sports if there weren't if there wasn't confidence in Derek Carr you'd hear that as well and I do not hear anything of the sort from his teammates it's on the contrary they believe they have the right quarterback uh, in place in Derek Carr uh, but that's a story for another day, and it's coming tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador, uh, and specifically at 4.30. Uh, and uh, by then, you'll know who, who, who we're talking about. Uh, but thank you for uh, uh, listening. Thank you for calling in. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate Greg Rosenthal uh, for, for coming in from NFL.com, talking about his free agent list. He ranked them 1 to 101, and there's about three or four. Uh, on that list that will be Raiders next year. That's my prediction. Uh, thanks so much to Devon Cotton, our great producer, for holding things down at, uh, at, at um, home court. Uh, appreciate you. Talk to you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6, in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador.